Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. In the name of Jesus Christ, may in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depressions, destruction, stagnancy, ignorance, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation. May they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady in your divine arms. We ask you to continue to lift it with the same and mighty hand, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. The book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 45 and 48. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Called to perfection. This promised commandment, where the Lord calls us to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, is the commandments, is the inheritance of the saints of all time, and it is addressed by Christ to His disciples. Therefore, those who do not accept the authority of the person sent by God have no relation whatsoever to the inheritance of this commandment, and never will they be able to have a relation to it. With regard to the fulfillment of this commandment, to be vigilant over the word of God in our heart, just as God is vigilant over the word spoken by Him in the temple of our body, we stopped to study the growing of the tree of life in the soul of our heart, which brings its fruit twelve times a year. We noted that the tree of life grown in the Eden of our heart is the fruit of the Spirit, discovering itself in meek lips that are capable of manifesting the love of God agape, first toward God, and secondly, toward our neighbor. Proverbs 15.4 A meek tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. We should note that a meek tongue, revealing itself in God's love, is not an emotion, but a responsibility expressed in specific words behind which stand actions that discipline the emotions and lead it after itself in the direction of the words proclaimed by us. So if you were to be asked, what is the tree of life? This is, these are meek lips. Tell me please, what are meek lips? Meek lips in a Christian, you must say, this is not an emotion. This is the responsibility that expresses itself in specific words and specific actions where we discipline our emotion, emotions and lead it after itself 
in the direction of the words that are proclaimed by us, which we have captivated ourselves by. And so the observance of the commandments in which we are called to show in our faith the fruit of the Spirit will be evidence in our heart that we crucified our flesh with its passions and lusts, which gave us the ability to love those that love God and hate those that hate God, which points to the fact that love toward God, which we are called to show in our faith in the fulfillment of the commandments, is a selective love, because of which, for some, it will be an aroma of death unto death, and for others, an aroma of life unto life. And so, showing in our faith the observance of the commandments in love for God and our neighbor, we demonstrate light in the Lord and behave as children of light. And to test ourselves that we have crucified our flesh with its passions and lusts, we begin to look at the image of the tree of life, the fruit of our tree of life dwelling in our heart in the twelve months of the sacred year, in the feasts and events that yield the imperishable inheritance contained in the blood of the cross of Christ, which fall on these twelve months of the sacred year. And we are called to enter into the imperishable inheritance of the treasure of the blood of Christ by building ourselves into twelve pearly gates that contained in themselves twelve principles that testify of the collaboration of our cross with the truth of the cross of Christ. Looking at the feasts and events contained in each new month of the year, we noted that in the Old Testament, the definition of new pointed to an image of the future that was called to be uncovered in the New Testament in which a person, born of God, received justification. New Testament, again, that is made with the spirit of a person, which allowed him to receive justification as a gift of grace independent of the law of Moses producing anger. On the other hand, the definition of the word new pointed to the resurrection of life in the fruits of the tree of life grown in the good soil of our heart. In a certain format, as far as God and the measure of our faith have allowed us, we together already looked at the fruit of our spirit in the image of the tree of life grown in the Eden of our heart in the first four months of the sacred year and we have stopped to study the fruit of our spirit in the image of the new fifth month, which we are called to bring to God in order to meet the standard of perfection that is inherent to our Heavenly Father. The tree of life in the image of the fruit of the fifth month that we began to study in the fruit of our spirit, falling in the middle of July or August, is the month of. In Israel, on the ninth day of the fifth month of, there was a fast observed in remembrance of the destruction of the Temple of Solomon by Nebuzaradan, the commander of Babylonian Nebuchadnezzar's guard. After the destruction of the Temple of Solomon that was directed by God, the land chosen by God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants by faith received the opportunity to celebrate their Sabbaths. The name Nebuzaradan means Nebo gives offspring. Having taken Jerusalem by storm, Nebuzaradan, at the behest of the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar, immediately took care of the release of the prophet Jeremiah from the custody of the Judean king Jehoiakim, because Jeremiah spoke of a prophecy that king Je Jehoiakim disliked. 
Second Chronicles chapter 36, verse 21. Until the rule of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, and to the land had enjoyed their Sabbaths. As long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill seventy years. First, Jeremiah, at the command of King Nebuchadnezzar, given by his bodyguard Nebuzaradan, was offered protection from the king of Judah and from his princes who wanted to kill him for the prophecy spoken by him that God is giving all the kingdoms of the earth into the authority of the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. And second, Jeremiah was given royal food and complete freedom to remain in Jerusalem or to follow the captured Israelites to Babylon in the dignity of a privileged citizen of the Babylonian Empire. The name of the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar means Nebo retains the rights of inheritance or the right to inherit. Nebo is the Babylonian god whom the Babylonians revered, revered as the patron of science, art, and writing. The name of this deity is due to Mount Nebo, from the top of which God showed Abraham a magnificent, magnificent panorama of Palestine. From the same mountain, the Lord showed Moses the promised land. Under the name of the Babylonian deity Nebo, one can see an image of worship of one's own rational abilities, which can be seen from the testimony of King Nebuchadnezzar himself, who, although he recognized the power of God of Israel over himself in the face of his prophets, at the same time continued to revel in the capabilities of his mind. Daniel chapter 4, verses 26-27 At the end of the twelve months he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, Is this... Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a world dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? The destruction of the Temple of Solomon by Nebuzaradan, the head of the bodyguards of King Nebuchadnezzar, was of a unique nature, which is expressed in the fact that the destruction of this temple was, for the Babylonian King Nebuchadnezzar, the command of the Almighty. This was not the desire of the king, of the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. This is what the Lord said to him through Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah 25, verses 8 through 9. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Because you have not heard my words, behold, I will send and take all the enemies of the north, says the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land against its inhabitants and against these nations all around and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment, a hissing and perpetual desolations. Thus, the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuzaradan, the head of his bodyguards, were the executors of the will of God and, unlike the king of Judah and his princes, they treated both the God of Israel and the prophet Jeremiah with trembling reverence not like the kings of Israel and the Judean kings. This is evident from the prayer of the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar in which, after fulfilling the decree of the watchers over him and by the sentence of the word of the holy ones, he finally stopped reveling in the abilities of his mind and recognized over himself the undeniable power of the mind of the Most High God in the face of the prophet Daniel, whom he named Belteshazzar. 
Daniel 4, 14, 15. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones, in order to, that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to him whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, declare its interpretation, since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy God is in you. And so, the two words, watcher and whole, two names of God, watcher and holy. They are two of the fifty names of God, Most High, that participate in the protection of the sovereign rights of His mind, which are maintained by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the head of which stands God the Father, and in protection of the mind of Christ in our spirit. Watcher and Holy, these are the names of God that protect the Word of God that dwells in heaven, that dwells in the messengers of God, and that is contained in our heart. God is vigilant over His Word. The combination of these two names of God, Watcher and Holy One, indicate the factor that God is vigilant in the temple of our body over His Word, which we hid in our hearts. He does not sleep, but He is vigilant. He remembers. Sometimes we think He is silent, but He remembers and He is vigilant in the temple of our holy over the Word which we hid in our hearts and over which we are vigilant in prayer. That this sworn, sworn Word could be fulfilled at the time indicated by Him in the temple of our body in which the image of the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, represented the functions of our renewed mind, through which we receive the ability to present the members of our body into servants of righteousness. And therefore, in order to collaborate with these two names of the Most High God, we need to be vigilant in prayer over the Word of God contained in our heart. Just as God is vigilant over this Word in the temple of our body, so that it could be fulfilled at the time established by Him, which in practice means that when confessing the faith of God, we did not distort the Word of God as many do, distorting the meaning of the Word of God and attributing the attributes of God to oneself. Daniel chapter 4, verses 34 to 37. At the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. My understanding returned to me. I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me and for the glory of my kingdom. My honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom. An excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of those whose works are truth and his ways justice. Unlike the king of Judah and his princes, King Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar, the commander of his bodyguards, deeply believed and trembled before the God of Israel, and obeying the prophetic words of the prophet Jeremiah, they firstly destroyed the temple of Solomon. This was a directive that came through the prophecy of the prophet Jeremiah. And secondly, 
through the prophecy of Jeremiah, they received the decree to capture the sons of Israel according to the word of the prophet Jeremiah, and they brought them to Babylon. And then, having chosen from them young men from the royal family, King Nebuchadnezzar appointed Daniel to rule over his palace. And Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, at the request of Daniel, he placed over the whole country. And he called Daniel Belteshazzar, which means God saved the king, and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah he called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, names that contain the functions of the sun, moon, and stars, which were called to shine on the earth and control the day and night. At the same time, before destroying the temple, they, by the hands of the priests of the temple, carried out all the sacred vessels of the temple, and with special trepidation and care, they delivered them to Babylon, placing them in the royal treasury for preservation until, according to Jeremiah, the seventy years were over, and the Sabbaths were made. The priests, who are responsible for the appointment of the temple, whose calling was to bring the earth chosen by God to Sabbath rest, so that it could clothe with its rest the heirs of this earth, perverted their ways before God and could not bring the earth chosen by God to rest, and therefore they could not bring peace to the inhabitants of this land. Their ministry of these priests, the priests of the Old Testament, they could not bring the land of Israel to rest. They couldn't. Because they had the ministry of the condemnation that they were following. And then God commanded the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar to destroy the temple, take captive the people of Israel, and move them to Babylon, so that they could be slaves of his sons until the time of the accession of the king of Persia, until... In fulfillment of the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of the prophet Jeremiah, the earth fulfills its Sabbaths. 2 Kings chapter 25, verses 8-10 through 10. In the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, which was the nineteenth year of the king Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, a servant of the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. He burned the house of the Lord in the king's house, and all the houses of Jerusalem, that is, all the houses of the great, he burned with fire. And all the army of the Chaldeans who were with the captain of the guard broke down the walls of Jerusalem all around. Considering that the law of Moses in the temple service and in all events related to Israel, represented images of the future and the shadow of future blessings and not the image of things themselves. We decided to look at these questions. What should be understood by the image of the destroyed temple of Solomon in our body? Because of the existence of which, the land chosen by God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants by faith was deprived of the opportunity to honor their Sabbaths. And second, what should be understood by the image of the tree of life, which is the fruit of the fifth month of the fruit of our spirit, which makes it possible for the earth chosen by God, promised the people chosen by God, to celebrate and observe their Sabbaths. Third, who in our body should be understood as the image of Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuzaradan, who were the executors of the will of the God of Israel, and trembled before him and before his holy prophets? 
and forth. What should be understood by the period of seventy years required to observe the Sabbaths, the land promised to God, promised by God to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their descendants in faith? In doing so, we noted that on the one hand, if we consider this event outside of our body and outside of our participation in the body of Christ in the face of the remnant chosen by God, then this will not bring us any benefit. So all of this is written for us. And it's necessary, all these revelations that Apostle Arkady looks at here, we must look at them in relation to our body and our partaking to the body of Christ. If we do not view them in the boundaries of our body, then this revelation that we are reading, it is not going to bring us any benefit. On the other hand, we will immediately go in the wrong direction from the path of truth designed to lead us to the perfection that our Heavenly Father has. And then it will be impossible to offer God the fruit of righteousness in the dignity of the components of the fruit of the tree of life of the fifth month, which could discover itself in our earth in the 70 years of the fulfilled Sabbaths, under which we mean the redemption of our body from the shameful decay and perishability. And so, in the component of the fruit of the Spirit offered by the tree of life in the fifth month of the sacred year, we will look at the 70-year observance of Sabbaths in God's chosen land, the observant of which required the Temple of Solomon to be destroyed. With regard to this, we have already looked at the first question. Why inner bodies should be viewed under the image of the destroyed Temple of Solomon, for the destruction of which God's chosen land in our body had a legal basis to observe its Sabbaths? And the second question, what should be understood by the image of the Tree of Life? which is the fruit of the fifth month, the fruit of our spirit, which makes it possible for the earth chosen by God, promised to the people chosen by God, to observe their Sabbaths. Initially, the Temple of Solomon, at the basis of its legislation, represented an image of the ministry of condemnation, which discovered sin in our body and gave power to sin in the face of our old man, who represents in our body the programmable device of the fallen cherubim. As written, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 56. And so, until in our body, the ministry of condemnation is abolished by way of destroying the temple of Solomon, representing in our body an image of the power of death and the dignity of the legislation of Moses, which discovers sin in our body and gives power to it to reign over us in the face of our old man passed on to us through the vain seed of our fathers. In this state, the soil of our heart, represented in the image of God's chosen land, cannot observe its Sabbaths presented in the, in the sworn promises of God for our body, which we comprised of the raising of the power of imperishability in our body. Under the image of the Temple of Solomon, we begin to study in our body the state of our heart, found under the watch of the Law of Moses that was so due to our dwelling in a carnal state. Take a look. Wonderful Temple of Solomon. But this is the state of our heart that is found under the watch of the Law of Moses. 
He watches it. Why does he watch it? Because we dwell in a carnal state. We dwell in a carnal state. We have the temple of Solomon. Yes, there is service unto God made there. Yes, there is prayer done there. Yes, there are sacrifices that are brought there. But this, this is the ministry of condemnation. And in order for us to receive the promise of the reign of the resurrection of Christ, it is necessary for us to observe our Sabbaths. And to observe our Sabbaths, it is necessary that the temple be destroyed. How do we destroy the temple? We need Nebuchadnezzar, or when I was with Pastor, he said a very important function. When I was with him yesterday, he said, this is very important to have Nebuchadnezzar because of Nebuchadnezzar it is said that he is my servant and he said this is referring to our thinking how important it is to have renewed thinking because without renewed thinking there will not be the destruction of the power of death in our body and in its place the power of resurrection will not raise therefore the temple of Solomon the wonderful temple of Solomon this is the ministry of condemnation, which is present in each person who is born again, who is found in a carnal state. We are talking about people who were born from the seed of the word of truth. Whereas under the destruction of the temple of Solomon, we began to consider the destruction of the handwriting of requirements that was against us with the teaching of Christ, with which he took the handwriting away from us, having nailed it to the cross. So, it was impossible to destroy the handwriting of the Temple of Solomon without the presence of the teaching of Christ. Because we can destroy with the teaching of Christ only the handwriting requirements that was against us. And it saw us as sinners without the presence of truth in our heart. The prophet Jeremiah, prophet Daniel, without renewed thinking, Nebuchadnezzar, our temple of Solomon is not going to be destroyed. And it is necessary to destroy him. How? Only through the teaching. And when the Lord sees that this Nebuchadnezzar praises the Holy God, this means that that's it. This person can be sent through the prophet Jeremiah so that he can destroy the ministry of condemnation and to raise the ministry of justification. How important it is for us to understand the presence of the Word of God in Jeremiah, our heart, and Nebuchadnezzar, a renewed thinking, and Nebuzaradan in our will, that we are no longer led by our emotions, we are led by the will that is made completely dependent on Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar is completely dependent on the prophets of God. When studying the second question, what should be understood by the image of the tree of life which is the fruit of the fifth month, the fruit of our spirit, which makes it possible for the earth chosen by God, promised to the people chosen by God, to observe their Sabbaths in the 70 years. So pay attention. This is not just to observe Sabbaths on the seventh day, as our friends that observe the Sabbath do, literally. Uh, Sabbaths ought to be observed 70 years. And if we become those that observe for 70 years without ceasing and we satisfy the Sabbath and we are united in the Church of Christ and with the narrow gates and this is the true children of God that observe the Sabbath of course we love and respect the others that 
observe it literally, but let's look at the Sabbath from a little bit of a different angle. We do know that the phenomenon of the tree of life appears on the pages of Holy Scripture immediately after God created man. At the same time, the manifestation of the tree of life, as all other trees of the Garden of Eden, including the tree of knowledge of good and evil, are due to the conscious and voluntary cooperation of man with God. And in this collaboration with God, the roles of God and man are strictly distributed. The role of God is that He sends to man the seed of His word, in the dignity of the seed of every fruitful tree, including the tree of life, in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, through hearing the preached word of His messenger, who at that time, for the first man, was the Holy Spirit. Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, in the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And let's take a look at what happened here. First, the phrase, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, points to the fact that before the collaboration of God with man, a paradise or a garden was planted in the land of Eden in the east. Firstly, this place on earth already existed. Secondly, this place was the holiness of the Lord, chosen by God from the common territory of the earth. The Lord had prepared that place where He was going to communicate with man. Before He was found in this church, God cared to prepare Eden. He began to prepare Eden from this Eden. And then this Eden began to prepare the messenger of God from his very childhood. This is when my Eden was being prepared, the Eden where I will worship with God. And then he began to prepare saints, and then he began to prepare the church, and then he brought me into the church, placed me in the church. What a long process it takes for God to create this Eden, this suitable atmosphere where I could have communication with God. He cared for the preparation of this Eden. Thus, the eastward side of Eden, on which the garden was planted, is the image of our conscience that is called to be the throne of judgment in order to practice the righteousness of God and His justice, representing an image of the reigning teaching of Christ, an eternal judgment that is highlighted in the will of God, good, acceptable, and perfect. So he created Eden, and then along with us, He placed us on the eastward side where there were other, also other fruitful trees. He does this with the cooperation of man. Eden was a large territory for man. God didn't need to, God didn't need help to create forests, waters, seas, but a garden needs a gardener. He didn't need help when he created the mountains, the fields, and the forests. A gardener is needed for a garden. And therefore, when he chose Eden, the pleasing environment in order to communicate with man, he selected the eastward side so that there a person can grow these two qualities.
the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil and then to test him what which one is he going to lift his hand to second considering that the land was very expansive God created man with a particularity and need to have a certain place of residence which could be the house of God in which God could communicate with man third based on the fact that God created man with sovereign rights to have dominion on the land created by him over which man was called to reign just as God reigns in the heavens it follows that God consciously limited himself in the limits of the land created by him that in his sovereignty man could reign over the earth just as God reigns in the heavens and as we know God's dominion in the heavens is comprised of the fact that he reigns in the heavens in the boundaries of the word spoken by him which is the law for all the inhabitants of heaven in the face of his angels created by him and firstly God himself and therefore a person is called to have dominion over the earth and reign over the earth in the boundaries of the word established by God elevated for a person into the law of God and fourth by power of his spoken word in relation to the sovereign rights of a person to the earth which became law for God himself first God could not interfere in the life of a person in his jurisdictions on the earth until a person asks for this interference on the basis of his word established by him for a person in the dignity of his law fifth based on this law that built sovereign relations of man with God God could not make leather garments for man and clothed him into these garments if a person does not ask him for this based on his strict conditions so as not to violate his sovereign rights the reason God was apprehensive that Adam would stretch out his hand and eat of the fruit of the tree of life was because of his love for Adam he did not want to lose him so if he were to have then stretched out his hand and eat of the tree of life he would have left himself in the state and we would have never had the opportunity to be perfected we would all be carnal people and this would not satisfy God he cast him out out of Eden and what did he do he clothed him in leather garments why he says my dear one we will start from the first step Eden is the place where I give justification let's start with the very first step this is justification remember on Friday pastor when we read the notes he very beautifully talked about the uh, the leprosy that comes upon a person how does leprosy come upon a person there where he talked to God Lord you are the horn of my salvation how was necessary to uh, with our finger sprinkle the blood on the four horns of the altar and one of the conditions is that with this blood we had to be freed from leprosy and leprosy was in it uh, touched our skin our justification our clothes our righteousness which we produce and then our homes and pay attention he Adam, Adam immediately left and he left he lost his justification he began from the very beginning from justification but then he can create Eden in his heart that there he could grow two trees the tree of life and tree of knowledge of good and evil and say Lord look I lift up my hand toward the tree of life how do we 
how do we stretch out our hand toward the tree of knowledge of good and evil? This is when we honor God with tithes and offerings. We stretch our hands towards the tree of life. But when we do not honor Him, we stretch out our hands to the knowledge of good and evil. Or when we give how much we want, who we want to, when we want to. This means that we are stretching out our hand to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we must understand this. Therefore, leather garments that cover our leprosy represent an image of justification of Adam from sin and death, and was for Adam as well as us in the seed of the kingdom of heaven, the format of the deposit of justification, that we are called to sow in the good soul of our heart in order to grow it into the tree of life, and in this way place the deposit of our salvation into circulation in order to gain it as a property. Therefore, dear Adam, I have grown a garden with you in the eastward side of Eden, and you encroached upon that which was holy. We begin everything from the very beginning. Clothing him into leather garments, now what, Lord? In justification, you give a seed, the seed of knowledge of good and evil, and the seed of the knowledge of the tree of life. Grow them and demonstrate before me how you love me. Demonstrate that you are not a carnal person, you are a spiritual person. And of course, Christ demonstrated this, and he had shown that he was completely freed from leprosy. We are demonstrating that we are freely freed from leprosy. Our skin covered by the blood of the lamb, our garments is freed from the leprosy. How do we define this? That if the skin is leprous or not, when a person does something for God and when he has some kind of victory, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden someone says something to him and he says, why why do you speak with this this way with me? Scripture says, now, when King Uzziah was blessed and he magnified himself, he realized that he can have everything. God blessed him. God established him with his presence, with his blessing. And he went into the sanctuary in order to offer incense. And the priest told him, you are a king, but you are not a priest. Leave this sanctuary. He took the censer and he said, you are going to teach me. God is doing such wonderful things through me. When he said this, he had the censer in his hand. There was a leprosy that was found on him, and he died a leprous man. Therefore, our garments ought not to be filled with leprosy. And then, interesting, the pastor talked about leprosy in our homes. And there he uncovered an interesting thing, that when we enter into the house of God through the narrow gates, then how is it defined that we are found in this house or not? We are going to totally coincide with the characteristic of narrow gates, we will coincide with the dignities of a virtuous wife. If we do not coincide with these characteristics, then scripture calls this leprosy. But for God, a person that is leprous is someone that is excommunicated. Scripture says that a person that is excommunicated, he had to, or he, he that was leprous, he had to cover his head, cover his mouth, and cry out, I am unclean, I am unclean, and then take off the veil. Therefore, when a person does not have the veil, the knowledge of authority, when he has lost justification righteousness, for God, this person is excommunicated. And pastor said, formally, we can be present in the church and sit in our place, thinking that we are a part of the church. But literally, we are excommunicated from the church of God. And therefore, each time we cry out to God and say, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, God hears, I am unclean, I am unclean from our lips. This was 
beautifully written how God from formality looks at the literal sense in the spirit. And so under the image of the Garden of Eden in the East, we should view and consider the good soil of the heart of a person comprised of the substance of the good conscience of a person born from the seed of the word of truth in which as a seal is sealed the legislation of God in the format of the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. As a result of this factor, communication with God, of God with man was called to occur through the Holy Spirit moving in a person in the limits of the truth of the reigning teaching of Christ, contained in the heart of a person through his collaboration with the preached word of truth and with the Holy Spirit who reveals the significance of this truth in the heart. And in this manner, the land chosen by God in the dignity of the Garden of Eden in the East is man's good soil of the heart that is cleansed from dead works, in which dwells the kingdom of heaven in the dignity of the tree of life grown by him. And this was the first answer of Pastor. He reminded us what the Temple of Solomon was. This is the service of condemnation in which carnal people dwell. Wonderful temple, correct sacrifices, correct words. Correctly we read, pray, but we are carnal. We have the wonderful Temple of Solomon what is needed time that this word can be found in our hearts that this heart can then through the prophet jeremiah uh, renew our king nebuchadnezzar that the king nebuchadnezzar can make himself dependent on nebuzaradan and when god sees jeremiah nebuchadnezzar and our will that is made dependent on our nebuchadnezzar god will say wonderful now go and destroy the temple of solomon and ex- and captivate all that are in israel and bring them to babylon now there is true observance of sabbath now there will be true observance of Sabbath in the church because God is then found in, in complete rest. And the third question, what question do we just review? The third question, who in our body should be understood as the image of King Nebuchadnezzar and Abuzeradan, who were the executors of the will of God of Israel, and apart from the Judean king and his princes, and trembled before him and before his holy prophets, and according to the word of Jeremiah, destroyed the temple of Solomon. Who were these people? And we had talked about this a little bit. I had read the notes till the very end, and I had already told you, but let's read them again. Studying these two personas in our body, without which in our essence there is no rational or voluntary action that could occur. Under the image of Nebuchadnezzar, we view the image of our mind or our rational sphere. And under Nebuzaradan, the head of the guard of King Nebuchadnezzar, we view the image of our will. Whereas under the prophet Jeremiah and Daniel, we view the image of the mind of Christ in our new man. Under the Judean king, Jehoiakim and his princes that resisted God in the face of the prophet Jeremiah and those that desired to kill him, we should view in our body the image of reigning sin in the face of the old man. And how is reigning sin defined? He wants to kill the prophets of God and not accept the preached word. 
and therefore reigning sin in the face of the old man receives his strength from the law of Moses that was his weapon and his trust. With regard to this, Apostle reminds us that in order to practice in our body the just judgment of God in destroying the temple of Solomon in which occurs the abolition of the ministry of condemnation, it is necessary to have truth on the tablets of our heart sealed in the dignity of the reigning teaching of Christ in which God made us alive together with Christ in the new tablets of testimony, having forgiven our sins and destroyed with the teaching the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Defining the essence of the truth of the reigning teaching of Christ in our heart, we begin to study the dignity of the breastplate of judgment of the high priest, representing an image of a continual remembrance before God in the format of our continual vigilance and prayer, which means the requirements of the perfect will of the Heavenly Father. This is an important discipline that we, like David, are called to bring to God in our continual prayer as an argument, giving God the basis to hear us and to stand on our side in prayer battle with our own flesh. Considering that our memory expresses itself in the ability to contain in itself the powers of truth contained in the heart, which is called to collaborate with our renewed mind, let's take a look here. We are talking right now about Nebuchadnezzar. Who is Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar? Pay attention. How Pastor took us over to remembrance. If Nebuchadnezzar is our thinking, and how is our thinking defined? This is not just to finish some kind of biblical college. No, this is to have in ourselves a memory, a memory of the great works of God. And therefore, our memory expresses itself in the ability to contain in itself the powers of truth. So Nebuchadnezzar has the ability to contain in itself the powers of truth contained in the heart, which is called to collaborate with our renewed mind, with Nebuchadnezzar, which in turn is called to collaborate with our meek lips. It is necessary for us to remember what conditions are necessary to fulfill on our end to have in our heart a continual remembrance of the works of God sealed by Him in the days of the old. Or, how should we be vigilant in prayer in order to destroy our old nature, the way of destroying in our body the temple of Solomon, the service of which condemned us to death? In this regard, it will be necessary for us to remember and restore in our memory these four classic questions. First, who or what in our essence is a remembrance of God's works sealed in the days of the old in our good heart? Second, what purpose is the remembrance of God's works called to fulfill in our body which were made by Him in the days of work? Third, what price is necessary to pay to have a remembrance of the works of God sealed in the days of the old? And fourth, what results will follow from the presence in ourselves of the remembrance of God's works sealed in the days of the old? So here, we furthermore will look at the presence of memory in us. We will follow Pastor in looking at this. The memory is an important substance. Again, what is memory? Memory is the reigning teaching of Jesus Christ that dwells in our heart. What is memory? It is not, oh, I remembered, I remembered a phone number. No. 
Oh, I remembered a place of scripture. No. This is not that. A memory is when this truth is sealed or written in my heart. And in order to write it, we need to find narrow gates. It is necessary to enter through these narrow gates to become a sheep. We need to learn to tend to our sheep near the goats' tents or near the shepherd's tents. We need to know what kinds of dead works we ought to cleanse our conscience of. We need to prepare Eden. And then on the eastward side of Eden, we need to accept the preached word and to plant in there the tree of life and the other fruitful trees. And then this word we need to grow. And then when we have Eden, we need to renew our thinking with this word. We're talking about what a memory is. We have just stopped uh, talking at the heart. We have, we're just talking about the heart. It's not just, oh, I remembered, pastor said. No. After this has occurred, now we begin to renew our thinking. We begin to dwell in the teaching of the apostles. And when we dwell in this teaching, we demonstrate to God the presence of meek lips. What meek lips are, it's not an emotion. It's a responsibility. What is this responsibility? It is a responsibility in which we speak the word of God and make ourselves dependent on the word of God. That begins to discipline our emotion, our feelings, and it begins to hold captive, hold us captive, to hold captive all of our essence, as King Nebuchadnezzar had done through Nebuzaradan. And that's it. When we are held captive, now the Lord sees that I, my whole essence, am found in captivity. I have captivated myself, have tied myself with the word of God. How wonderful. Now we need to destroy the temple of Solomon. That's it. The, there's no, there is an end to the carnal state. Now the temple of Solomon is destroyed and the true Sabbath for 70 years is observed. And so let us look at the first question. We are talking about the remembrance of the works of God that is presented in the format of a teaching. And why do we need the format of teaching? We need it so that that handwriting of requirements in the law of Moses, it is impossible to erase it with an eraser. I can't, well, of course, I can open it. I can take an eraser and begin to erase the pages. But when I close it, I'll say, what is in my hand? The Bible. He says, open it to me. That place is scripture. But I have erased it. He says, you have erased it? But for God, this isn't erased. In order to erase it, New Testament. Here. This part. This is the eraser that erases this. This condemns us. This justifies us. This is the eraser. Pastor Interesting had showed in the image of the ark on which God favored to answer. Pay attention. In the ark, he had said in the teaching, there were the tablets of testimony that had condemned us. And beside them was the golden vessel with manna, with the bread from heaven, with, with the teaching. And that God answered the priest only under one condition, not because the tablets were there, but because along with the tablets, right along next to them, there was a teaching of Jesus Christ that destroyed the law and the handwriting of requirements that was against us. And when God saw that the law of God, that it is satisfied, how is it satisfied? It is not. It is impossible to take it away. This is the sword that is given to us. This is the strictness. This is the severity of God. The law of Moses is like the weight of gold. All that is necessary to do is, Lord, I know that that which I do, I don't want to do it. He says, continue, I 
am a servant of sin. I am doing those things which I despise. He says, who is doing it? The old man, he says, take the law of Moses and all of its severity and directed it against this enemy. I will have mercy upon you. Just show me, show me where I should send this rocket. Show me the distance, the coordinates, and I will send it there. The old man, the rocket will fly. The rocket will destroy. And ad atomic warfare will occur. Show me the coordinates. This is going to be you, your house, your children, or it is going to be the old man. And this is possible only under one condition. When we have the truth of the reigning teaching of Christ dwelling in our hearts, this manna that was found in the golden vessel, that exactly showed the coordinates. But the coordinates we must first see. Lord, I see this in me. The law, I am sold to sin. I am a carnal person. Lord, help me, deliver me from the old man. He says, good, you have seen this, now use the law of Moses. And for you, you now have the teaching of Jesus Christ that can resurrect you, can lift up your soul out of death, and can adopt your body. So the law of Moses is wonderful. That spiritual law, it is needed under one condition, that we have the golden vessel with the teaching. The teaching and the law, what a wonderful combination between these two. And so Apostle Arkady asks four questions. And so, what is a remembrance of God's works made by Him in the days of old, in its essence and its expression? To immediately define in relation to what is a remembrance of God's works sealed by Him in our spirit in the days of the old, we will need to remember the definition of the word remembrance. Because the sovereign existence, development, and moral perfection of any person created by God is associated with the presence in it of memory. There's, there is no memory, that's it. A person is likened and loses his dignity. The presence of memory, and memory is not just memory. You don't remember, sometimes saints say, remember I confess my sin, I say, no, I don't remember any confession, I never remember. I never remember. Sometimes people say, well, I, I I, didn't finish. I said, you don't need to tell me. I don't remember confessions. Pastor told me, you must learn to act like God. If God throw, throws these confessions behind his back, do the same way. And as soon as a person confesses, I forget why they came to me and who came to me. And of course, sometimes I do need to let pastor know uh, because our apostle does need to be let know. But there are certain things, other things that I throw behind my back when it is, uh, this is, this is not, has not made an effect on other saints in the church. And such sovereign beings in the face of people, the angels of God and the fallen angels, headed by the fall, fallen son of dawn, exist on earth, in heaven, and in the underworld. We are talking about um, remembrance. Um, angels of God, people, and fallen angels have remembrance. He constantly comes to God and says, Lord, uh, let me help you rem remind you about this person. Lord says, I don't remember. Why will I remember? He says, I don't remember. With all this, it should be noted that we can be on earth, but leave a remembrance of our name not only on earth, but also in heaven and in the underworld. And therefore, 
memory which represents information contained in our heart and our thinking defines us as rational sovereign beings and this is on one hand the unique ability to rationally and thoughtfully accept our surroundings and provide an account in our thoughts words actions and feelings and on the other hand memory is the ability to keep in our mind previous events and impressions or rather that information that produces these impressions and so memory representing our heart and our mind defines us in the dignity of rational sovereign beings this is a storehouse of information and impressions received by us from the genetic line from the vain life of our fathers as well as both past events and current events so take a look we are doing everything according to memory where do we go church how do you know that you're going there well i remember where to go you remember the road you remember the traffic light you remember the street you remember the people you remember how your pastor looks like you remember your car you remember where to go and where to come out you remember where to stand and where to sit all of our mem- life is con- comprised of this memory same thing with god all of his wa- our walk is comprised of our mem- of his memory and this is contained deep in our heart which we can take out of our heart and to force all the organs in our essence to work for us where is our memory hidden thus according to scripture it is the memory that determines our thoughts that determines both the moral essence of the person himself and his sovereign boundaries for which he is responsible proverbs 23 7 for as he thinks in his heart so is he so thoughts is memory memorial what does he remember what thoughts what kind of memory was placed in his heart on the one hand proceeding from such a concept or paradigm it follows that keeping in our memory the works of god performed by him in the days of the old consisting in the adoption and redemption of our body from the power of corruption we erase the memory received by us from the genetic lineage from the vain life of our fathers in the flesh so genetic life has its own memory and this memory comes and it begins to implement a program into action for this not to happen it is necessary for us through the truth of god to blot out this memory that is contained in each person so in each person there is a program and it is necessary to constantly blot it out not just with words lord i reject the vain life of our forefathers passed to me no we need to continually blot it out okay but we live every day we each day say we each day make mistakes and this again comes and returns to us in our memory and then we give birth to children and then all of that which is in our memory it is then passed along to them on the other hand keeping in our memory the works of God performed by him in the days of the old consisting in the adoption and redemption of our body from the power of death and corruption we affirm the past accomplished by God and the future in the present how wonderful take a look that is why we need memory all of that which God has done in the past the destruction of the temple of Solomon when they had observed their Sabbaths and when the Lord 
raised the power of life, when he raised Jerusalem, this was in memory in the past. And this memory is found in the heart of a person. And we can be found in certain positions. We might be found in illnesses, some kind of sorrow. We might be broken in something. For God, the most important thing is, do you remember this event? I remember. It is clearly engraved in my heart. It is clearly engraved in my heart. And the time will come. And what will happen next? Next, the Lord raised the walls of Jerusalem. This next thing awaits for each person that has a remembrance of the ancient works of God. How beautifully is it written? We affirm the works made by God in the past and that which He will do in the future, the door of hope. In the future, Pastor has also said that it turns out that our memory is unique. We take the promise that is going to be in the future, the door of our hope, and we must, in our present, take the future, place it here, and thank God as if we are already living there. And this is a very beautiful, a beautiful passage. Again, we affirm that which has been accomplished by God in the future and the present. What does this mean? We can't take the promise that lays at the door of hope if we don't see ourselves as already living there. We don't see ourselves raptured, meeting the Lord Jesus in the clouds. If we don't see ourselves reigning with Jesus Christ on this earth, if we do not see ourselves sitting on the thrones, when the twelve tribes of the Son of Israel are judged, Therefore, memory is not tied just to the past, but it is also tied to the future, so that this past and future can be in the present. That is why we need a memory, which on our part is the basis that we give God to intervene, intervene in our lives for the salvation of our soul and the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. As it is written, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. If in the heart of David there would not have been the remembrance of the works of God vested in him by his parents, whose cattle he pastured, so he tended to the thoughts of his father, this memory, not his memory, but the memory of his father, he would not have been able to remember what did not exist in him. To blot out or erase a remembrance of the works of God in a person can be done only by a person. And this means to blot out or erase our name written in the book of life and in this manner be deprived of eternal life. Psalms 34:16. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. To cut off the remembrance of them from the earth memory representing our rational heart and rational sphere defining us in the dignity of sovereign beings is our weapon with which we are called to resist enemies in the face of our old man and in the face of the wicked and lawless people how do we withstand all of this the old man wicked and lawless people with the presence of a memory in us what the Lord has done and if we are deprived of the memory of who God is for us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, 
who we are to God in Christ Jesus and what we need to do to inherit all that God has done, has placed on our account in Christ Jesus, we will look like a destroyed city. O enemy, destructions are finished forever and you have destroyed cities, even their memory has perished. Psalms 9.6 Furthermore, we should know that a remembrance of the works of God in our rational heart is a genetic program of God, redeeming us from sin, decay, and death, which is passed along in the format of the inheritance of God from one holy generation to another. From one holy generation to another holy generation. Psalms 102.12 But you, O Lord, shall endure forever in the remembrance of your name to all generations. From one generation to another, remembrance of your name is passed along. Because there was no typography back then, everything was passed along through the lips. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob passed all of this. They didn't write it down. They had held all of this in their memory, what was passed along. Why did God act through these men in this way? They didn't write a notebook. This is good to write in a notebook under the condition that this is written in a notebook and it becomes a part of our heart. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they wrote all of this in their heart and they passed it along to others, to their other generations in the, among the people of Israel. In Scripture, all the wonders of God made by Him in the days of the old are memorable in the rational heart of a person because they uncover in our rational heart the essence of who God is for us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, who we are to God in Christ Jesus, and what we need to do to inherit all that God has placed on our account in Christ Jesus. Psalms 111.4 He has made His wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Wonders, wonderful works cannot be done without a memory. And God wants to do these wonderful works in us under the condition that we have a remembrance of the works of God in our spirit. This is very important. Furthermore, we should remember and never forget that as children of God, we are the achievement of God, first fruit of God, and are holy unto Him, which in itself is a remembrance of His works. Psalms 30, verse 4, Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name. How do we praise the remembrance of His holy name? When we say who God is for us and who we are in Christ Jesus. This reminds God that we are His children. Therefore, Jesus said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And He said, remember, always turn to Him as Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. That's it. Uh, remembrance, memory begins to work in God. He begins to remember. And then we place all of those truths that God has placed in His Word, which coincide to that time in which it is necessary to proclaim them. Praising the remembrance of the holy name of the Lord, revealed in the salvation of our soul from death, and the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ from decay, this is the inherited and joyful portion and blessed fate of each righteous person containing in his rational heart a remembrance of the holy name of the Lord, which we are to God. Psalms 97.12 Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. And the second question what purpose is the remembrance of God's works called to fill in our body, which were made by Him in the days of the old for the salvation of our soul and body? And let's agree with those 
Let's agree with what we have already heard, although we have read a lot, but we will be thankful to God that we are ready today for what we have already heard today. And therefore, right now, we are going to pray, and may the Lord bless us in our prayer, and may He give us in this prayer the opportunity to destroy all a dependency on chains of sin, lusts, illnesses, when we, with faith, accept freedom from this, and we whose heart is inclined, come out on, out here and we will pray for you. ask you to deeply believe that God is for you. He is not against you. He has loved you with an eternal love. He has given us the work of His redemption. He has stood between us and our enemies in order to protect us and to lift us up to His level. Your hands closed as an element of a mystery room. Your hands raised to the heavens. This is a sign that our hands are without anger and doubt. Please pray along with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you upon this holy place in the congregation of your holy saints. I uncover my heart so that you can see my pain, my suffering, my wound that has been brought on by sin and lust, which I despise and from which I reject. I come to you with my pain, fears, my wounded worth, I ask you to forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wound, restore me, and protect me by the blood of your Son. And right now, 
before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that according to your word, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, I am saved. Your sins are forgiven you and your transgressions in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He come down upon you with His holy countenance and have mercy upon you. May He give you peace. May around you fall thousands and tens of thousands around you, but not draw near to you. May all of the blessings of the ancient hills and everlasting mountains come upon you. May the power of death be cast out and may in its place be raised the power of life and resurrection. May all of this come upon you and upon all of your descendants in the name of Jesus Christ and let all the people say, Amen. Friends, let us conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to Him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of Him with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.